Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The great uh, General uh, Patton is quoted about uh, talking about how he elevated officers, moved him up. He said what he would do is he'd grab uh, maybe six guys and uh, he'd ask them to dig a trench six inches deep. And he'd usually do this somewhere where he could sort of hide, maybe it's near a building, and watch and listen. And so these uh, six guys, usually what would happen, he said, is they would be asked to do this and it always went like this. Somebody would start talking about how silly it was, a six-inch trench. Why do we need to do a six-inch trench? Perhaps we should do a larger one or a, a deeper one. This is ridiculous. Somebody else would probably start talking about exactly how to accomplish this, who should do what and when. And then, of course, there's always somebody, one of the officers, that would say something like, I don't need to do this. I'll just tell my men to do this. What does this have to do with being an officer? And finally, hopefully, he said... One of the guys would say, I don't care what the SOB said, let's do it. And he'd get down there and start digging that trench. Don't ask someone to do something you wouldn't do yourself is a popular mantra of leadership and definitely a patent from stories about him. And I would say the same about God. And we see that in this baptism, right? Well, what's crazy, when you think about God, you think about him as this great general, far away, aloof, running the whole world, hands off almost. I think most people do. I'll bet you your neighbors think like that. I really think most people think, outside of those that know him as we do, that God is, he's up there, I don't know what he's doing, it doesn't make sense, but he's not connected to us. He's far up there. And quite frankly, I think most religions, if not every religion except for what I would say the true one, has God way up there. Never going to get his hands dirty. He's too righteous, too powerful, too good. And rightly so, if you think about it. God shouldn't come down here. God doesn't have to come down here, right? And yet in today's gospel lesson, we see something, I would say, just ridiculous when it comes to everything that we should know about what it means to be God or divine. Not only on Christmas does God come down, but today we see him unite himself to you and to me. Never ask someone to do something that you won't do yourself. Matthew tells us that uh, 
John was warning humanity, let alone especially the Israelites, that God was coming. He declared the kingdom of God, the reign of God is near. Repent, right? And that should scare you because it's kind of like dad's coming home. He told you to clean up and take care of the house and whatever he told you the chores were. And now he's coming home. And uh, if you remember as a kid, uh, you know, you started cleaning. Well, actually, as a kid, what am I talking about? When my wife leaves for a couple days, she'll go up and see family. And I'm bacheloring it, right? And then... I try to figure out when is she going to be home because uh, the place does not look good, right? I don't wash anything, blah, blah, blah. She's coming home. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go around cleaning things up and doing the dishes. And she doesn't know the better when she comes home. Oh, my goodness, honey. You really took care of things here. (laughs) That's kind of what John's doing. And people are freaking out. And John said, come and be baptized, right? Clean yourself up. God's coming to dinner. He's coming to your house. And the people were scared. Which I, I wish, I feel like we've lost that sense of the humility of, I don't care if you like what God says to do or not. He's God, actually. He could actually tell you ridiculous, arbitrary things, and you got nothing to say about it. He could remain aloof up there and tell you every fifth day, do a hula hoop. And you would have absolutely nothing to argue about because he's God and you are not. I wish we would get that through our thick heads, actually. What's funny, though, is what does God tell us to do? Are they ridiculous things? Bizarre, illogical things does God command us to do that don't make any sense? Not at all. But frankly, the Ten Commandments are love God, love your neighbor as yourself. If, if you look at what God says in the Old Testament, by the way, my friends, it is take care of others, forgive, be kind, welcome the stranger, be, be compassionate. This is Old Testament, my, by the way. Don't take from others. Not only that, help those in need. Stand up. For those that have nothing, take care of the, the widows and the poor, etc. These are good things that we fail at, don't we? And the people of Israel, some of them at least, knew it. And they actually were a little scared when John was saying, God's coming. And so they were in this Jordan River being baptized the same Jordan River that really marks in the Old Testament the end and the beginning, the past and the future. Because it's the Jordan that the Israelites are always traveling through. They first do it when they leave Israel, right? Or they leave Egypt and they come into the promised land. They cross miraculously, not just the Red Sea, but the Jordan River is parted by Joshua. And they leave the past behind and they enter into God's world, if you will, what he had given them. And this happens a couple times in the same way that Jordan's used at this. And so it's not unusual that John is at the Jordan River because here you're going to leave the past behind. Get yourself right with God. Straighten up. God's coming. So John has everybody freaked out. Now, there were the Pharisees. They kind of came and just sort of watched. 
they assumed John wasn't talking to them because they, they're good. They're good people. They pretty much lived a pretty good life. But yeah, John, those people need to hear your message, right? <laughs> so here's all these dirty, rotten sinners getting baptized. Filthy. Not just outwardly, but inwardly. All walks of life. Humbly coming and scared. And among them is who? Jesus. He's not afraid of trenches or digging ditches. Don't ask someone to do something you don't do yourself. You can't do yourself. You wouldn't even recognize him. He was probably the same height. He probably wasn't much taller, much stronger. Looked like just an ordinary first century Palestinian Jew. And he waited in line. There was no security guard. You know, get out of the way. The son of God's coming. It wasn't uh, royalty. (laughs) And he comes, finally it's his turn And John sees him, and John knows who he is. He's the one kind of that he'd been talking about. I mean, John had been saying stuff like, the one who's following me, I don't even have the right to untie or tie his shoes. He's going to have a winnowing fork, and he's going to throw the garbage in in the garbage can. And he sees Jesus in line coming into the water to be baptized. Honestly, think about that. That's insane. What does Jesus have to be baptized for? He's done nothing wrong. Not only is he God, but he already sinless actively, not just internally because he's God, but actively loves his neighbor, obeys his mom, (laughs) takes care of the widow. He is righteous. If there's anybody ready for God, it is this Jesus. And yet he enters in the trench, in the ditch, in the water. And John rightly says, I should be baptized by you. (laughs) Not me, you. This is ridiculous. And what does Jesus say? Look what he says. Chapter 3 of Matthew, if you want, or trust me to read it. Let it be so for now, for thus... It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? Why was Jesus baptized? Because he had come to do what he asks us to do. Oftentimes we think of our Savior, we think of salvation as Jesus takes our place on the cross, which is absolutely true, receives our punishment so we won't be punished, which is absolutely true. Praise God. But it's not just in that way that he is us. It's also in terms of righteousness. He's not the aloof God that tells us all these ridiculous things to do and we don't do it. Okay, we deserve punishment. Well, thank God he died on the cross and rose again. We're forgiven. He actually does what we're supposed to be doing for you. Do you know this? Jesus 
does the things you're supposed to do. He doesn't just receive the punishment. He does the good works that you were supposed to do. He gets in the waters of baptism. Paul says this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. Jesus unites himself with sinners. Not just on the cross, but here in these waters, along with all the other sinners. And every time we're baptized with us too, he does what we are asked to do because he is completely and in every way man, except for this one man is completely righteous, not just as an idea, but in actuality. He acts righteous. He does your homework for you, for all of humanity. He does what Adam and Eve failed to do. The first man and woman, Christ makes right. They screwed up. He does it right. Does this make sense? Very important. And then when Jesus comes out of the waters, what happens at that point? For the first time ever, God can say, when he looks at humanity, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. The heavens open. They were once closed to sinners, to you and to me. Jesus breaks them open with an act of obedience. And the dove comes down. Speaking of water stories, why does the Holy Spirit come down as a dove? Because it's cool and we wouldn't have something used for all the 60s stuff. No. Why does he use the dove? What other water story of the Old Testament had a dove? Noah. And what did the dove mean when Noah saw it? Or didn't see it at some point? There's land. There's a promised land. There's hope. There's a future. No more wandering around. And that dove is for you to see. And that open skies is for us to see. That this is my son. And wouldn't you love to hear not just your dad. Don't you love it when your dad says, even now for adults, you dads need to do this, quite frankly, too. Remember doing this, not just punishment, but loving. I'm well pleased with you. Is there anything better to hear from your own mom or dad? I'm so pleased with you. (laughs) Makes me kind of cry right now when I think about it. And in a sense, God should never say this of us. He says this of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, his son, is actually doing what he told him to do. But you know what happens? Jesus makes baptism in those waters that were filthy with our sins. He makes us this thing. He united himself to us in that baptism so that when he told the disciples in Matthew, the same book we're reading this from, chapter 28, 16 through 20, go and make disciples by what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the heavens open, and the Son, that's Jesus there, and the Holy Spirit, that dove ascending. Jesus gives us his righteousness. 
He took our punishment. You're totally free from sin or guilt or the past like that Jordan River and Egypt and slavery. And you've been brought into the family of God through the rebirth of the waters of baptism for free. It's insane, isn't it? So that... And it's insane to think about this when you think about what you've done as you, as you would next Sunday come up for Holy Communion, right? But even today, confess our sins. What does God say to you? This is my son. This is my daughter. Whom I love. With whom I am well pleased. Isn't that crazy? But that's who you are. He became sin who knew no sin, so you might become his righteousness. It's a free gift, a beautiful, glorious exchange that happens here. And of course, it happens on the cross. And Paul talks about it here. Don't you know, whoever's baptized in his name is united to him in his death. When you are baptized, you are absolutely united to this perfect Jesus. You receive his good genes, if you will. He received your bad ones on the cross. It's an incredible unity. You died when you were baptized, and you rose again, Paul says. Wherever Jesus goes from now on, there you are. You're dead and you're alive. He is risen and you will rise. How insane is that? How wonderful is our God that doesn't ask someone to do something that he himself isn't going to do? And he did. In Jesus' name, amen. 